Hey everyone, this is Craig Horlbeck from the Ringer Fantasy Football Show. Join me, Danny Heifetz, and Danny Kelly every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday to help you win your draft, win your league, and most importantly, avoid that last place punishment. Follow the Ringer Fantasy Football Show on Spotify. It's the Ringer's Philly Special presented by FanDuel. The second half of the NBA season is here, and you can bet on the action with an assist from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub. Filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all in one page. Plus, start betting on the Explore page and the Pulse and bet live same-game parlays for every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit theringer.com slash RG to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit theringer.com slash RG. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC Slim Fit Trouser. But I am a joggers guy. I just... Once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I want to wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. Welcome to the local angle on FanDuel TV. I'm Shiel Kapadia from the Ringers Philly Special, joined by Ben Solak to talk about the Eagles getting blown out for the second week in a row this time to the Dallas Cowboys. Benny Souls, I mean, usually I'm on here. We're talking about those other teams being losers. They all I was lose. just Eagles. I was just thinking this. Eagles come in, they they win. We'll talk about a winning team. Now it's the opposite. It has to be the first time all season. We're talking about the other teams all got wins. Eagles lose second week in a row, blown out last week, blown out by the Niners. This week, blown out by the Cowboys, now tied with both those teams at 10 and 3 in the NFC. Last week, after that Niners game, you did not, your, your panic level was not high. You said, I'm a, you mm-hmm. know, 49ers are a great team. Eagles didn't play well. It happens. Where is your panic level now? After that Eagles loss to the Cowboys, let's start there. Yeah, I mean it, it. It it's higher after the second loss than the first. That's kind of my policy. It's the more embarrassing <laughs> multi-score losses that you have to contenders in your own conference, the more panicked you feel. I um, the the really demoralizing thing about this game, Shields, that they were never in it. Right, they just walked out. Ball moved down the field on them. It looked like they were they were all right. They were gonna go punch for punch. They get the ball in the red zone. They fumble it away. All of a sudden, they're down two scores, and they're down two scores the rest of the way. The, the offense never gets the huge explosive play, the big catch and run to give them a quick score and get back into it. The defense tried to give them that. Fletcher Cox, strip sack, uh, uh, D- Dak Prescott, Jalen Carter, pick it up and run. 
And then the Cowboys just get down the field, kick another field goal, two touchdown game. Eagles try to get down the field again and another fumble. It never felt like the offense had the requisite desperation uh, for the moment. It, it, uh, it was the first time in a long time it felt like the Eagles didn't know what to do in that moment. They didn't know what to do in that game script. And that's a concerning thing, right? It's now back-to-back weeks, like I said, of a blowout loss to a conference champion contender. So now you have a month left of football. You have the Seahawks. You have the Giants twice. You got teams you have to beat in the conference to retain positioning and still hold on to that one seat as tightly as you can. But far more importantly, you need some get-right games. You got to drop 40 on somebody. You got to beat somebody by 30. You got to remember what this feels like because you can't have this same taste in your mouth the next time you go to play the Cowboys or the Niners. We get to January football because it's chalked if you do. Like you have to return to some sense of, of championship team, that sense of dominating team the Eagles were. And they aren't that right now. Offensive side of the ball, defensive side of the ball, from a scheme perspective, from a personnel perspective, they're just not playing dominant ball the way we used to see them play. Can I tell you how I, I mean, that was, that was a measured take. I usually like to offer measured takes. I feel a little bit more like this team is being exposed for the team it's been for most of the season when they were squeaking out some of these wins against the commanders, you know, twice in the season and, and the bills blow it at the end of that game and the Chiefs. Now they were in those games. They didn't get blown out by those very good teams, but I just feel like we've had so many shows this year where we come on after a win and say, Hey, they just, they found a way to win. Mm -hmm. And just, I, I, I look back at myself who was saying that after some shows and say, you're a fraud, you know, weak, nine shield because you never believe there's just this thing is finding a way to win. You like to look at the data. And what does the data tell me? The data tells me, Ben, since 2000, there have been 106 teams that have had 10 or 10 wins or more through week 14 of the season. And the Eagles have a plus 21 point differential. They rank 103rd out of those 106 teams. Right. I think they were getting Good bounce after good bounce after good bounce. Not to say they weren't competitive in those games. This version of the Eagles is definitely worse than those versions of the Eagles, but they've had flaws kind of all along, all season long, and they haven't corrected them. And they've relied on one, they've relied on their best players, just like, oh, AJ Brown's going to go make a play. Oh, Devontae Smith's going to go make a play. Oh, Jalen Hurts is, oh, Josh Sweat. But like when that doesn't happen, what are the coaches doing to like, are they giving you any type of edge right now? Are, are they putting players in position to succeed? Are there things you can point to on the chalkboard or in the game plan to say, oh, okay, you know, this the, the coaches are helping yeah. them right now. They're giving them an edge. Because I'm not going to like rip a coach who's barely lost a game in the last two years. But that is kind of how I feel. We, we both watched football games all day Sunday. And you can pick out, ooh, look at, look at what you, the Seahawks. Even that, I remember that little middle screen they had to Colby Parkinson. The 49ers, it shows up every freaking single week. Uh, Brian Flores, what he's doing with the Minnesota Vikings. The defense. Indianapolis like, Colts and, and Shane Steichen. Yeah, I mean, you and I could go on. Well, you know, I think that's honestly, I think the way they won last year is similar to the way that they played this year. Now, you might disagree with me there, but what is your, so your that, feel? Yeah. Let's get to that in a, in a minute. But what is your feel to that, that they're just kind of being a little bit exposed to what they've been for most of the season. So that that was going to be my response was I was uh, uh, like the, they're winning on the backs of their star players. It's what they did last season, man. Like last season for a long time I into that, that winning streak, there were a lot, like it was like Eagles going to the Super Bowl, Eagles are the best. And I would come on this show a lot and I would get a lot of guff from Eagles fans where I was like, dude, like AJ Brown runs four routes. Like they have nine plays. Like they run one RPO just over and over again. Like this doesn't feel the way it's supposed to feel, right? I put up... Uh, the, uh, a graphic of this during the game. The Eagles today on offense had targets for uh, A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, and Dallas Goddard. Those are the only three players they targeted offensively, right? Alameda Zacchaeus also had a, a, 
a catch and a target, but that was on special teams, right? That wasn't on offense. Is this Otherwise, true? It was that's amazing. I'm, I'm usually targets, for just funnel those targets. 13 targets for players. AJ Brown. They took it to the extreme. Yeah, 13, 13 targets, targets for AJ Brown, 10 targets for Devontae Smith, four for Dallas Goddard. He caught all four. And then Alamaze Dekias, one one catch on one target, 28 yards. That was the fake punt. Uh, Brendan Man, Braden Mann with, with a throw. They just, they like, we have a few guys we throw it to. That's it, right? They called the Jalen Hurts QB draw like four or five times. Like, this, the, it, is, it is an unbelievably simple offense, but it has been. And they've been really successful with that for a long time. So is this just the reckoning come? Like, is this just okay? Like, you can't get away for, with this for that long? Or is it, you had your star players and AJ Brown dropped the ball inside of the 10. Devontae Smith dropped the ball inside of the end zone. Also, both those guys fumbled it. Like, they had bad days from their star players. Because you can't, you can't, you don't want to fix what ain't broke. And I, I think it might be a little broke, but I don't think it's like emphatically broke. So number one, I think a lot of the stuff that's frustrating about them right now is also stuff that they've been winning with for a long time. So there's that idea. The other idea that I would say is I, I agree that the Eagles were scraping away with wins and, and weren't as good of a team, right? Like you brought that 10 win team stat out of 106 teams that are 100 and, 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 and third in point differential. They're not as good as a usual 10 win team is. I still don't think they're like bad. I think they're probably like an right. eight and five team, right? Like they're, I agree they're a little with bit that. more like, like in that area. And the reason for that is after, you know, the, uh, the, 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 the Vikings game and the Tampa Bay game early and the, the, the commanders overtime game, I sat here before that Rams game and I said, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they, if they dropped this game. Like this is like this Rams team is like a good team. We've seen this Rams office out for a while. Like this is a scary offense. Uh, I, I don't think they're exactly what we thought they were. And they beat the Rams by multiple scores, and they held the Rams to uh, like 11 points or something, 14 points. Two weeks later, they have the Dolphins. And I was like, man, like this secondary is slow. They can't tackle. They're not equipped for this. Dolphins are going to expose this team. They held the Dolphins to 17 points. They beat them by 14 points. They've had a couple of games where I've been like, all right, here comes the hammer for the, 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 like, the way like this team is, is not as good as their record seems, not as good as a one-loss team would imply. And then it didn't come. And then that, that first Dallas game and that Chiefs game and that Bills game, it's like, okay, like, these are the ones where they're really scraping by by the skin on their teeth, and now you, you feel that hammer drop. And so I, I, I agree with you. They're not as good as the usual 10-win team. Absolutely, their flaws are being exposed and exploited. We can talk about that a lot, I think, as the show goes on. But they've been successful with this formula for a long time, and they've escaped some like clear, we should, we should lose in these spot, spots, still relying on this formula. That's why I'm not fully near the panic button, is because this is the first time we've seen them go through this, you know? Yeah, I, I would agree. I'm not saying they stink. They don't stink. I'm not even saying they're mediocre. I think they're a good team. I don't think they're a great team right now, and it's probably recency bias. I have a hard time picturing this team coming out of the NFC and rep, you know representing the NFC in the Super Bowl mm -hmm. right now. Maybe my opinion will change a month from now. We'll see injuries. The flaws that I see right now seem like they would be very hard to fix in the span of one month. Like, uh, I don't know, like, especially now you lose this game. So what it means in the big picture now uh, is that the 49ers control their fate for the one seed in the NFC. If the 49ers win out, they get the buy, they get the one seed. So now you're talking about a scenario where you potentially have to beat the Cowboys and then go to San Francisco and beat the 49ers to get to the Super Bowl. That to me is a, a tall task, which can it happen? Sure. I mean, listen, the Eagles yeah. have barely lost a game in like two years. So again, I'm trying not to overreact here in my head right now. That would be very hard to do. If the Eagles win the rest of their games now, if they win out, they still actually have over a 50% chance of getting the bye. And that's because the 49ers have a harder remaining schedule. The 49ers have at Cardinals, home against the Ravens, at the Commanders, 
home against the Rams. Eagles have at Seattle, which, oh my goodness, this becomes like just a monstrous game next week for the Eagles. Yeah. Because after that, they have Giants, Cardinals at Giants. I mean, if you lose one of those games, like forget about it. We, we don't Ball even game. need to mention Super Bowl uh, on the pod. So um, that that's kind of what you lost by losing this game tonight to Dallas. Now, again, you still control your fate for the NFC East. If you win out, uh, you win the NFC East because you're going to win that tiebreaker break, uh, over the Cowboys. But your margin for error here is a lot smaller. So uh, some of those things in terms of you know what's fixable and what's not, we probably have to start with the defense, I think. I mean, they, they went through a stretch here, the end of last game and the beginning of this game, where they had given up a touchdown on 9 of 11 possessions. The other two, one was yeah. a field goal and one was a kneel down. And it's just like, I look at this team, uh, Ben, and they are, you know, they invested so much in the, in the pass rush, in the defensive line. This has been the organizational philosophy since Jeffrey Lurie took over and, and certainly since uh, under Howie Roseman. This pass rush on third down, and, and these stats might not be completely up to date because, yeah, I was looking them up in the middle of the fourth quarter because it wasn't a game. On third down, they had the worst sack rate in the entire NFL. Their pressure rate is 28th, and you can say, well, aren't teams getting rid of the football quickly? Not according to the numbers. Uh, opponents are getting rid of the football 2.92 seconds on third down compared to 2.95 seconds uh, league average. So, I can't tell you exactly why that is. Are guys getting uh, gassed? Are they underachieving? Are they playing with injuries? We don't know about. Is the coverage just not doing um, you know, it, its job in making quarterbacks hold on to the football just a little bit longer in some of those key situations? But we just know how this team is built. And we've talked about so many games where it's like, oh, the pass rush got a big sack on third down and they ended the game. Oh my gosh, they're so clutch. When that doesn't happen, these old corners, these bad linebackers, these unproven safeties, it's just like everybody gets exposed at once and there's no plan B. So that's the big part I'm looking at saying, I don't know that any of that is fixable between now and when you have to face the Cowboys and or the 49ers uh, in a playoff game. What are what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, you know what else is uh, fun on third down? Opposing quarterbacks like on third down against the Eagles are throwing a touchdown on 10.4% of their third down attempts. Next closest is the Commanders at 8.5%. Enormous, enormous gap. Yeah. It's, a, it's extremely high. I think some of that is indicative of a Ben but Dobrank defensive approach, which we expected from Sean Desai. You're just seeing less third downs in the wide area of the field, right, in between the 30s, because they're bending but not breaking. You're seeing more third downs when you get to near the red area, because that's where your bending stops, and you really try to, to hold things down. And so... Firstly, giving up a, a, a ludicrous touchdown rate. Their air yards per attempt allowed is second highest. Like you said, their um, uh, excuse me, it's fourth highest. And then their their time to throw is about average. Uh, they don't blitz very often. They're bottom five in blitz rate on third down. They're a lineup and play defense on third down that that has that paid to be a lineup and play defense. Darius Slay, James Bradbury, contract extensions traded for Kevin Byard, drafted Jalen Carter, uh, 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 signed uh, Hassan Reddick, uh, kept Fletcher Cox in, in the building. Right, they paid and drafted and built to be a lineup and play defense on third down and they're anything but you can't at, at pass rush is struggling coverage is interesting uh like dan pizzuta uh, uh was putting up some good stats on twitter where he was remarking that the eagles were actually presenting they had like nine passes defense against the cowboys tonight they were presenting tight windows contested windows on over 30 percent of prescott's throws they're hmm. doing like they're they're tight in coverage and they're winning sometimes at the catch point they can't run and they can't tackle that's it. That's it. They're 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 all slow, and so they can't yeah. run, 
and they're bad tacklers, right? Like Sidney Brown's good coming downhill. Zach Cunningham is good between the tackles. But other than that, like they're outside corners, they're secondary play. Like Bayard is slow, dude. Like, but I did not realize off the Tennessee film, but now watching him in Philadelphia, like this is he is slow. Slay is slow. And their linebackers, Morrow, Cunningham, these are not fast players right Bradbury now. Bradbury so, looks, yeah. I mean, Bradbury could have had like 10 times as bad of a game as he actually yeah. had today. They, um, and I think that the, like, I'm, I'm trying to riddle out how we suddenly just got the Keely Ringo game out of nowhere. I don't know <laughs> why that, that, that happened for that no shocking. reason. I yeah. Li- okay, yeah, did I have to look up who is 22? Yes, I did. Which he was Sorry, 37 in the postseason honest. or 37 in, in the preseason. So that's fine. But <laughs> the fact that they're playing Ringo makes me wonder, like, obviously, like, Slay was out. Was he banged up? Whatever. Are they trying to get younger? Are they trying to get faster? Like, Ringo is objectively a very fast dude. He's a big guy. Like, he could tackle, obviously, Jake Ferguson hurdle notwithstanding. I don't know what it is, but they, they once the ball is come, they, they can take away some receivers. They can take away some targets. They can buy a little bit of time. Once the ball is completed, nightmare. I mean, I, I, defensively i cannot imagine what their yakover expectation is because it, it is free running once you get the ball in the eagles secondary it's ball game yeah they have i mean they have four out of five defensive backs are 30 and older right now who are on the field uh tonight so all right let's take a quick break we'll come back we'll sort through some of this maybe you'll get a little bit of a sunnier spin maybe not i feel like half the audience is like be more negative and half the audience is like settle down they're still uh 10 and 3 so we'll see which way we lean we'll be right back Score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets when your first $5 money line bet wins. What am I looking at? You know what I like Monday night? Packers minus six and a half against the Giants. You can go with that one. You can go with whatever you want. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use and there are so many different ways to bet. Live same game parlays, find bets in the new explore tab, dive into the parlay hub, the best way to find popular parlays and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash Ringer Philly and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL, must be 21 plus and present in select states. $5 pregame money line wager required. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. All right, we are back on. I almost said extra point taken there. So like I haven't done that as much as I thought I was going to uh, this year. And I think I did it like the first week of the season. Then I was on a nice streak. But listen, mm-hmm. now we're late. It's 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 December. It's going to happen more. Uh, yeah, you know, I don't listen. I don't want to I d- don't want to be that. I told you so, guy. I did voice concerns roughly 400 times in August that these corners are old and in the NFL, old corners, their their play declines and you have two 30-year-olds on the outside. And I think that's definitely how, I mean, Bradbury is not close right now to the player he was last yep. year. I mean, when, when when these guys are getting DPIs against Cowboys wide receivers, not named Brandon Cooks or CeeDee Lamb, and listen, some of those were, were ticky-tack, but it's like, you can't be getting a DPI on Cavante Turpin on like a third down. I was, he's a fun little player at times, but you, you know what I'm saying? Like you should not, if you're making the kind of money they're making, that should not be uh, an issue here. Those two are 30. Roby's over 30. Bayard uh, is over 30. And so, yeah, they try to do things on the back end coverage wise. They're not static in terms of coverages. They're way more diverse than they were last year. They try a lot of things. 
none of this, none of the things really seem to work. So it's like you're losing in a different way than you did with Jonathan Gannon, uh, but you're still looking bad nonetheless under Sean Desai. Uh, how do you explain the pass rush stuff? Is this a matter of, um, you know, some people are saying, well, they've played, a, you know, they had that 90 snap game against the Bills. They're tired. They've played a bunch of games. They're playing opponents who have been on extra rest. Is it, hey, you got these Georgia guys who didn't play a lot in college and they're in their first and second years. And now they're playing a bunch of snaps here. Like Fletcher Cox is the only guy who it seems like is consistently showing up every week and rushing the passer. I mean, did Josh Sweat let, like, Ooh, Tyron Smith might be his worst matchup in the entire yeah. NFL, uh, Josh. So is it, you're just playing good offensive lines. Like, how do you explain the fact that in these two games where you're going against the stiffest competition in the NFC, uh, the pass rush really isn't much of a factor? So I think, firstly, like you saw the Cowboys, and they've been doing this before this game, so it's not <laughs> like they just yanked it out for today. But the Cowboys, you saw them do quite a lot of the same schematic stuff that the Niners do. And a lot of what the Niners do schematically, whether they're playing the Eagles or not, is meant to kind of neutralize your pass rush, use the play action, use motion, create weird angles, and just hurt the their ability of the pass rush to get after it. Uh, that was the theory behind like the Hassan Reddick play where he injured Brock Birdie in the NFC Championship game. Didn't work. But like the third play of this game, you see the Cowboys do a little Cavante. It's third down. Cowboys do Cavante Turpin in motion, Dax and shotgun. He like circles around and hands the ball, and that Turpin gets the edge. You just don't have to block the edge rusher, right? You're solving the problem by leaving him unblocked and then just outflanking him. So schematically. I think that Dallas did a lot to say, hey, we're going to make your life on your pass rush harder. And then you get into a third and long, and it's like, oh, you, you can only do so much. Sweat loses to, to uh, uh, I want to say Tyler Smith, not Tyler, Tyron Smith. Those two names are not good for Ben. Uh, so Sweat loses to Tyron Smith. Yeah, uh, Sweat wants to be longer and stronger than you, and Tyron Smith is like the longest, strongest cat on the block. Uh, so he, he got through him a couple of times, right? There was the play where there was a flag for holding, and then they picked it up. He, so he, he generated some push at times, uh, but altogether, like that's not a big night for him. Hassan Reddick's been really quiet the last month or so. Reddick just tends to run hot and cold because he's an explosives guy. He's a first step guy. He's a little bit all your eggs in one basket uh, sort, sort of a player. And that's that's the challenge of having a guy like that. I do think Carter's been showing up. I think that Carter, he got dinged up and and, and, and he wasn't super effective for, for a couple of weeks. But I do think you still see Carter get early wins on the interior. And that's where the Eagles' best pass rush is coming from right now, the inside. But you still need to be successful on the edges. Um Again, Dan Pazuda here. Uh, Pazuda was remarking on the fact that uh, the two times that Prescott was hit tonight were his two sacks. Other than that, uh, Prescott, he was decently pressured. He had 14 pressures, which is one third of his dropbacks on the evening. But he was only hit twice and he only had two sacks. And so 33% pressure rate. I hate rate, pressures. Like, I hate pressure. Can we get rid of pressure? We need a better way to measure this stuff. I mean, only uh, because like it, it's you, very, Let's get you and Robert Sala in, in the ring. Well, hold on. Just two handsome bald men <laughs> arguing. So, uh, Sala says, oh, sacks are overrated. Well, Shields like says pressure? pressure's overrated. Oh, okay. Well, I just felt like, is, is that next-gen stats pressure or is this a subjective somebody that's marking NGS. down pressure? That's NGS. Anything, right, yes, okay. anything. That'll take, that come, bit, that'll yeah. take a little bit. That'll take a little bit more with. if memory serves, that's defined by uh chip in the in the pads relative to chipping your pads and like my proximity to you and if there's people in between us i think in general the eagles are doing a really nice job uh, pressure wise generating muddy pockets they are not doing a good job moving quarterbacks off of their spot which is because they're not winning as a collective they're winning as individuals and then with a quarterback like prescott who can just reset in the pocket and fire like that's if they if Dak has a superpower at quarterback, it's pocket management. Always has been, has been since he got into the league. It's just not it's not effective enough. Um, I, I and then I always end these, and I'm, I want to say like 
So you have to come up with more creative blitzes and you have to stunt and stuff. You can try it, but like you really have to sell out for it, in my opinion, because their you're gonna stunts be yourself- are terrible. I, yeah. I don't know that a stunt has worked. Also, like they yeah. they look They're- like they. I mean, I'm sure they do practice it. If they didn't practice it and just did it on game day, it would, this is kind of what it would look like. Yeah, and so <laughs> stunts wise, yeah, like they're they are not a good stunt team, not a good rush game team, and so they they don't get the sort of manipulation of the pocket that the best pressure teams do. They just put their four out there and ask them to win, and when they're not winning, they're kind of like, oh, like that's tough. Uh, so schematically, like when you said at the top of the show, like you're not sure how much this gets solved in a month. This is one of the things that that schematically, like you just need your 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 you you've studied the defensive line with stars. You need it to be better. You need it to 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 produce more with all the first round picks you spent, all the money that you spent than it has over the last two weeks. Period. It's so much. I mean, to me, it just feels like it's so much going to be based on the opponent. Like if you told me next week they're just going to have like six sacks or you know like show up in a big way uh, against Seattle, I would buy that. I think they'll pad their numbers against the Giants and the Cardinals. But like once we get to the playoffs, I'm going to be thinking about these two games. And you're, you're right. I mean, even watching that 49ers film last week, I'm like, okay, there's some, you know, pressure here and there, but like, I don't know, quarterbacks are too good now. Like it's gotta, I mean, they're able to move around a little mm-hmm. bit and still make plays. Like that is a big thing yeah. that separates the kind of garbanzo beans quarterbacks uh, from everybody else. And yes, absolutely. Prescott, Josh Allen. I mean, these guys have been incredible against the Eagles doing that. Uh, there's no if, doubt about yeah. it. Yeah. If I had to root cause all the evils of the Eagles defense schematically. Like if I had to say like, this is the genesis of all the schematic problems. So ignoring the fact that like secondary wise, their personnel is not great. I just don't think they, they changed what they do in coverage enough. Like I think they, they just, they have too simple of a menu and it's too clear pre-snap. Like they line up their safeties left, right. They kind of, they, they put their corners off or on and like, they don't really do a ton of rotation stuff defensively. And so you just don't create a lot of hesitancy on offense. Like, Purdy Prescott, there was just not a lot of plays that either guy had to make where he was like, oh, shoot. Like, uh, uh. There, there were no moments of like, uh, like, what happened? Like, it was always like, oh, yeah, like when they're in this look, they either give us cover four, they rotate to three buzz. And if they give us X, we'll do Y. And if they give us A, we'll do B. And, and, and like you said, like, quarterbacks are too good. Like offensive designs, schemes, they're, they're, they're too good. You have to be willing to like change pictures on dudes. I think the best defenses either change pictures on guys or just dominate with talent. And the Eagles have long been a dominate with talent defense. And when they can't be that, because the talent isn't playing as well, they don't have the, the change the picture magic. They don't have the magic wand. They don't have the, the, the curveball to throw after the fastball. And, then, and that's why you can't stem the bleeding, right? I think that like you'll see a lot of defenses in the league give up big first halves and then come out in the second half and be okay. When was the last game the Eagles really like stemmed the bleeding defensively? They don't have a lot of like aces up their sleeve. They don't have a lot of change-ups. They just kind of walk out. If we're beating you, we're beating you. And if we're not, we're not. And that's a really frustrating thing to watch for four quarters. Yeah, I think they, I, I mean, definitely from like, if you just look at it from a coverage profile standpoint, they try to do a lot of different things. They try to not have tendencies. Uh, and, and again, I think that's the biggest difference of from this year's defense schematically from last year's. But that doesn't mean, I, I, I mean, your point is still accurate because it doesn't matter if you're trying to do things. Is it actually working in terms of making that quarterback hesitate and get off where he's looking, mm-hmm. you know, and, and have him confused for that split second uh, when he's holding the ball and give your pass rush time to get home? That absolutely has not been happening. You're, you're right yeah. that we can see that anecdotally. We could probably see that with numbers uh, if we wanted to. So um, yeah, even today, like they, tra- you know, they try to throw the zero blitz at him uh, on that third day. You're like, oh, they're getting the grand zero. Oh, 
Jake Ferguson, Sidney Brown. Yeah, I didn't think that was bad coverage by Sidney yeah. Brown, but Jake Ferguson. Big Jake big Ferguson man. play for you right yeah. there. I was screaming to get Jake Ferguson Ooh, down. Okay. <laughs> listen, first, so so I had, so for those who don't listen to Extra Point Taken, first of all, what's wrong with you? But uh, Solak and I have a contest and I had Jake Ferguson 60 plus yards. So Solak, he had 27 going into that play and Tariqa goes, 33-yard gain. I click on ESPN box score, 32-yard gain. Tariko, don't do that to me. It was only 59. Yeah. He got one later, so I was okay. But yes, it, it was, was good. it was big yeah. for me in that respect. If you, through, so <laughs> as we transition here, defense to offense, as you look at the coordinator's jobs through this point of the season, what Sean Desai has done defensively, what Brian Johnson has done offensively, who's frustrating you more, who's disappointed you more relative to the hand they were dealt between Johnson and Desai? Good question. At the Thank moment, you. I don't think I don't think either of them are doing. And by the way, I, I, we, should, we could have a little Nick Sirianni conversation also uh, at some mm-hmm. point. Here. I would say probably the, I mean, the offense has been better statistically, right? It was what seventh in DVOA coming into the week. At the same time, I think the offense probably frustrates me more, only because that's so obviously the more talented group. They had all eleven starters healthy in this game, and they didn't score an offensive touchdown. Like, are you serious with this roster? Yeah. I mean, that should be impossible to do. And I actually think this is a good game to compare. So I'll say offense to answer your question. But you and I had a conversation early in the season and you said, hey, the Cowboys, here are the things they need to do to get the most out of this offense that they're not doing right now. And to your credit, they did a lot of those things. Motion, play action, move CeeDee Lamb around, funnel targets to him, get him favorable matchups. Hello, these are like all the, like, yes, 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 yes. Why aren't the Eagles doing any of these things? I mean, if you look at some of this stuff, so I know motion is not just a, hey, motion solves everything. I totally get it. It's the old Matt Canada rule. At the same time, we see a lot of teams right now using that and helping their skill position players, helping their quarterbacks. Eagles have the lowest motion rate in the entire NFL. I look at the types of throws Jalen Hurts is attempting. His expected completion percentage. And so again, this is a next-gen stat. It looks at, you know, how the, the throw he's attempting, um, on average, what should the completion percentage be? Jalen Hurts is right now 61.4%. So like, where do you think that ranks in the NFL? Very low. Second to last, ahead of only Bryce Young, who has the worst, who's playing terribly, but also has the worst skill position group in the NFL. I mean, how can Jalen Hurts be, be attempting the second hardest throws in the entire mm. NFL when he has A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, and Dallas Goddard. Now, I will say, because I know what you're going to say, uh, if that, that's not all on scheme. That is Jalen Hurts yeah. wanting to chuck the ball downfield a lot. Yeah. Absolutely. At the same time, I do think it's a combination of those two things, and it's like part of coaching is saying, hey, let's let's get some layups for this guy. Let's get some easier throws uh, that are not just, hey, throw that go ball to A.J. Brown. So I, I would say offense uh, frustrates me a little bit more because I, I think there are solutions on offense. I agree. I think that that the job that Desai has done has been frustrating. I think it is underwhelmed relative to my expectation. I think it is underwhelmed relative to the talent he's had. However, I can look at the talent and I can understand why he's doing what he's doing. The parameters within he's working. And then he's asking a $16 million defensive end, Hassan Reddick, to win him a one-on-one. He's asking a $14 million defensive tackle, Fletcher Cox, to win me a one-on-one. A $12 million corner, James Bradbury, win me a one-on-one. Defensively, Ooh, man, a bit. there are a lot of highly paid. Yeah, wow. A lot defensively, of paid guys eventually you get to that point, like that. right? No matter what you do schematically, right? Like name the best defensive coordinator in the league, Mike McDonald. At some point, he goes, okay, now Kyle Hamilton, top fifteen pick, 
solve this issue, right? Like you, you have to yeah. do that defensively because you're in a reactive stance. Offensively, I think overall the criticism on Brian Johnson is too high because I think like uh, hurts the decision making process and like he's very risk pro and he throws the ball down the field a lot. I think that like that has to get factored in. But like I'm looking at AJ Brown's route chart right now, he didn't run a crossing route. Like he just ran. He runs goes and curls and ins and that's it. And he just runs four routes. Like eventually, like Stephon Gilmore's been around the yard, dude. Like he's gonna be on every route. He's, he's gonna and and Brown was nine for ninety four, right? Devontae was like five for seventy eight, right? Like they had like production. Hurts threw the ball well. He threw it accurately, right? They they can win their one on ones, but like they, this is uh the definition of doing nothing. I should have been like, all right, like we know our guy's good on this and we know our guy's good on that. And so we run this and we run that RPO and then we move the ball down the field. This is just going to continue forever, right? No, of course not. This is the NFL. Like what? The other team knows that too. And yeah. that, that was really, you could really feel that, I thought, watching this game. Yeah. Like they knew. I mean, when you're not getting any of those yards after the catch and they're all over it, as soon as the ball is caught yeah. and it's short of the sticks and the guy, I mean, some of those were bad throws, but still, I felt like they had a beat on a lot of the stuff the Eagles yeah. were doing tonight. And, and you know what's, you, you, you just said they're like, this, you do the same stuff and the other team knows this. They have a beat on things. The same is true in the inverse. Third and medium. Eagles line up and spread. Guess what the defense is doing, Shield? They're running zero. They're running zero blitz. They've been doing it since the Cardinals game last year, man. It's just zero zero blitz against the spread formations on passing downs. Eagles have not had an answer once. I mean, like, you and here's and here's the thing that that like really worries me. One of the best answers is wide receiver screen. Did they get like are they are they are they scared of running it now? Like they like they ran it one too many times against the Chiefs they and got like one it, yeah. today, I think. Yeah. They got criticism right. so now that we just don't want wide receiver screen. If it's your answer, it's your answer, right? Structurally, if you're gonna be a spread formation team and you're gonna get zero luck, you gotta be willing to throw a screen. And right, they threw one in the fourth quarter, third and six, Brown picked up the first down. But you 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 how do you continue to be in positions where the defense is giving you clear zero blitz looks pre-snap? And you end up with five men in protection. Jordan Mylott is on a dual read. He's trying to block two guys at once. And Hertz is on a three-step drop with no hot route. How are you on fourth and nine? And, and you've got... That, that was the moment where A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith actually ran crossing routes. They ran mesh. It takes too long. How, how are we seeing the same things defensively that have hassled Hertz since the Buccaneers playoff game in 2021? And we haven't schematically figured out something. And, and you know what they'll say? Like if they were on this call. Hop in, Nick Sirianni, Brian Johnson, kick down the door to the, the Zoom, and they're like, QB draws our answer, and it's amazing. Okay, well, guess what? That sucks. That shouldn't be your answer. That's not a good enough answer. That's, that's, that's ask, again, that's been like, Kelsey solved the problem, Jalen Hurts solved the problem. In offense, you're in a proactive position. You're in a aggressive position. You can solve the problem schematically. You can have checks. You can have hots. You can have adjustments. This is easy stuff on, on the bone. And so to me, the, like you said, the offensive issues is is eminently solvable i don't think they're gonna become a higher motion team because in your rpo world sometimes motion can be bad because it it changes who you're reading on the rpo and it can confuse some stuff but honestly they're not getting enough juice out of the squeeze of their rpos like more motion would be beneficial they need to be a more touch behind the line of scrimmage team which i know like doesn't sound sexy like all screens but even if it's like jet touch throw the swing pass you you have in aj brown a top three yak wide receiver you have in DeAndre Swift, one of the best uh, like run-after-catch backs in the league. And Dallas Goddard, one of the best run-after-the-catch tight ends. Where's my Goddard delay screen? Where's, 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 there's no DeAndre Swift yeah. targets tonight? None? I, like, 
There was get none your, of that tonight against this aggressive, aggressive defense. Get to your layups. Is, yeah, I mean, they get didn't to your do layups, any of that. dude. Do get that to the early. elbow, hit a jumper, put two points on the board. Why was yeah. yakking up threes? This is Golden State Warrior offense. You don't have staff, dude. Like you, you feel like you do sometimes, but you in the NFL don't work like that. You don't get as many cracks. You don't get as many swings. Hurts had like twenty-one pass attempts tonight. This isn't like having a hundred possessions of basketball. You gotta, you gotta get to your layups, man. You have to be willing to do the easy stuff, and 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 they'll do it. Like DeAndre Swift jet sweep against the Chiefs sixty yards, and then it's just gone. Right? It's like it's like a trick play for them when they run like jet sweep, and they they are too basic on offense. They got explosive they, back-to-back yeah. weeks on that, and yeah, it, it yeah. doesn't and show up in the game And they are they're too like basic yeah. on offense, and they are too willing to ram their, their head into the wall for the fifth time. I'm always a proponent of ramming your head into the wall for the second time. Like, oh shoot, the A.J. Brown deep shot didn't work. Do another one. It's A.J. Brown. And that worked for them tonight, right? So you can always ram your head against the wall a second time. I don't mind saying this is where our bread is buttered. This is what we're good at. But on the fifth or the sixth time, we're two weeks in now. You've had really embarrassing offensive performances. You've got to go into the bag here a little bit. So uh, to me, like Brian Johnson is, is, is the, the coordinator of the two. I'm, I'm more disappointed in. And listen, if you, I'm sure there are people listening to this saying they did kind of move the ball in this game. They had three fumbles in this game. Like there's another, another scenario where they put up more points in this game. I, I absolutely agree with that. That's true. I think if you played this exact game out, 10 times, they probably end up uh, with a couple touchdowns. I don't think the game is close, but I think they end up with a couple touchdowns. But I, I think these issues we're talking about are not just like a one-week thing. They're like a zoom out and let's look at the big picture and see the state of this team right now uh, and the state of this team going forward. I actually didn't think Jalen Hurts played poorly tonight, like given the sort of how people were playing. He threw the ball well. Him, the, I thought he threw the ball well. Like, yeah, I thought they uh, better, certainly better than he has in recent weeks. Like, I mean, there were drops, there were penalties. Uh, all those things. So if you want an encouraging sign, that would be one. Also, I just can't figure out the Jalen Hurts running thing. All of a sudden tonight, he's fine. His legs are part of it. Last week, no, no, he did not keep the ball until the middle of the third quarter. I don't know. I'm tired of talking about it. It's kind of annoying. It's frustrating. I guess they break it out when they mm-hmm. feel like it has to be a big part of the game plan, but they don't want to overuse it. I don't know what the deal is. It's not a core thing of what they do week after week after week, but it is still available to them. I don't know. Am I missing something with that? I I don't understand how last week we can be looking at that and you're playing two and a half Mm -hmm. quarters before, you know, you're doing anything with him in the run game. And then tonight, first possession, he's running the football. What am I missing? What is happening? The, uh, I don't have the numbers in front of me. I tried to find them real quick. I couldn't find them. I'll tweet it out if you're, if you're looking for it, um, on designed runs this year. When you take sneaks out of the equation, Hertz is one of the worst quarterbacks by success rate on design runs. One of the worst, bad, neg- net negative. His, it, 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 you said like, oh, they involved his legs more. Yeah. And then he had like a, 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 an option run where there was like a flash of color while he was behind line of scrimmage. He just slid. Like he's just, had just, a lot of those this yeah. year. Yeah. Just no interest in, in, in dealing with contact. And when we talk about how this offense was, uh, is structurally very similar to how it was last year. And, uh, you know, just let our big players make big plays and does a lot of basic things. The thing that made it acceptable last year, the thing that the, the straw that stirred the drink was the fact that they were playing 11 on 11 football. And so you can just be basic because you're playing 11 on 11. Right now, I'm playing 10 on 11 in the running game. And it doesn't. It doesn't feel the way it used to feel running the football, right? There was it's a big like ten and a quarter on eleven. Like they're trying right. to, but you're right. You're so right. Which, he had the highest it's, it's worse rate, to be ten and a quarter because then year. you call yeah. plays like you're playing eleven on eleven because right. you think that you have the eleventh dude. Yeah. There was obviously huge discourse this week about running the ball, right? Yeah. The the two 
Yamokes out standing out in front of the Eagles facility with, with the run the ball sign, which I love. It's tremendous energy. I was exactly it makes me how feel you- so much more comfortable than when they're just winning 10 in a yes. row. I like to see a little bit of that. It's it is the issue with the Eagles isn't taking the run pass style and turning it a little bit more to run. The issue is that the Eagles running game is structured around the idea that they have a rushing quarterback, and right now they don't. They don't. They 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 have a kind of mobile Ryan Tannehill who will surprise you with an option pull and not really break a tackle or anything, but like get the unblocked yardage. Other than that, like it's it's they, they don't have a rushing quarterback. So structurally, the way they run, I think, has to change a little bit because they don't have the threat of hurts. They're not playing eleven eleven anymore. Yeah, it's hard for me. I mean, then again, a few weeks ago, you got the, you know, a QB draw for the game winning touchdown. It's like, it, it, it's just hard. It really varies week to week. I agree with you, though. If we're talking about what are the biggest differences from last year, I mean, I mean, Hertz's efficiency as a runner has to be near the top of the list. Maybe I'll look up some of those numbers uh, for the next episode, but um, that that is absolutely true. So uh, we'll say so. All right. We talked about Johnson. We talked about Desai. I think maybe the biggest storyline for the next five weeks yeah. is th- th- this is a big spot for Nikki Sirianni right here. I mean, I was thinking about this. He hasn't fit. Listen, he, his record is absurd. I'm not telling you like, oh, he's, you know, I'm not going overboard on any of this. I do think, though, we're going to learn a lot about this. Cliff, guy. title like, the episode, I, Nick, Shield puts Nick <laughs> on the hot seat. <laughs> Nick Sirianni fired, question mark? Honestly, I and I think we had this in a mailbag in the summer and it was just like, like, what are your expectations for this guy? Is he like going to have a Doug Peterson like career as an Eagles head coach? Is he going to have an Andy Reid type career as an Eagles head coach? Is it is there a different comparison there? And my questions have always been one: Who is he as an offensive schemer? Is is this somebody who is special who can get what do I more with you know more with less? And that is not showing up right now. Maybe there are tweaks to be made and adjustments to be made, and they will show up between now. Uh, and the end of the season. Uh, and then the other one is I always sort of just wonder about his messaging. I mean, it seems authentic. It seems genuine. This is the most adversity he's faced since the 2021 season. I mean, they have that mm-hmm. season. He starts out, they're playing poorly midway through the season. They change how they operate. They're running the ball more. They're using Jalen Hurts. All of a sudden they go on a run. They make the playoffs. You're feeling good about them going into last season. Last season, they barely lose. They're just killing teams. It's like, oh my God, this is the greatest coach uh, you've ever seen. They're going to the Super Bowl. They're awesome. This year, doesn't always look great, but the team is freaking 10 and one. They're 10 and one coming off a Super Bowl loss. He's amazing. So this is like uh, the first time really, if you think about it, since 2021, where there's a spot of like, all right, let's like, what buttons are you going to push? Um, what are you going to do to kind of fix what's happening right now? Uh, and what's this going to look like for the next five weeks? So uh, I'm pretty interested in that just as a team content uh, guy. Like, wh- how are we going to be? How is everyone going to be feeling about Nick Sirianni at the end of this season? Is it going to result in, a, oh, my gosh, remember after they lost to the Niners and Cowboys, what he did and they went on that run? And yeah, sure, they didn't win the Super Bowl. But man, you feel good about it. Is it going to be? Like, what if they lose one or two of these final four games? It, it feels hard to even like, like one is one is easily imaginable. Uh, I think losing two. I mean, that would be kind of panic. What if they lose in the first round uh, of the playoffs? What if they don't have the answers? What if they're, you know, after the season as well? Did he really want, uh, you know, Sean Desai and Brian Johnson? These weren't his like there's so there's this whole can of worms that anyone who's followed the Eagles over the last 30 years uh, or even longer than that know what I'm talking about. But I don't know. I, I do think that's a huge storyline 
between now and the end of the season is how does like Nick Sirianni respond uh, and deal with this adversity and what does he get from this team down the stretch? What do you think? Where are you, where are you with Nicky Sirianni? And I, when I, is the last, when has the man gotten more than four hours of sleep? Did you see him on TV tonight? He is. Holy cow. I feel like he, from a facial structural perspective, he is genetically predisposed to sullen eyes. Uh, but, but then this he is, get, but then he tells the production teams like, yeah, I slept in my office twice this week. Yeah. Like, how far away do you live from the facility? How much time are we saving here? Yeah. Nick, all I want for you is a good night's sleep and also fix the entire offense, please. Uh, <laughs> you can do both of those at the same time, right? Uh, I don't like, yeah, I think that the, the, the Nick Sirianni has been the head coach since 2021. In 2021, they were a, 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 a struggling team. They were a young team. They made the necessary changes to improve. And then, you know, they had the, the postseason loss, but their error was clearly pointing up. And then in 2022, it was a meteoric leap. It was bigger than we thought it would be. And they've been on that ever since. Now comes kind of the first downturn of Sirianni's coaching career, right? We're three seasons in, which is weird. But like, uh, the, the, this is the first like real time where he's like, all right, expectations were sky high and we are underneath them. And that is a different thing to respond to than like sustaining success expectations are high and we're at them but how do we stay hungry how do we stay uh, aggressive uh, we love it football and then oh we're an improving team but how do we stay focused like like the you're, the arc that you're on the kind of the velocity vector that you have are you pointing up are you pointing down are you coming from the top are you coming from the bottom changes how you have to discourse with the team so this is uncharted water for suriani if he's bad in this water then we know that, okay, he's really good as a coach in these environments, and he's bad as a coach in these environments, and that'll make him an imperfect coach like all the other 31 other head coaches in the league, right? If he's great in this environment, he pulls him out of a tailspin, he's an excellent motivator, then really, like, that's the skill that he has that, that makes him a great coach. So we're going to find something out about him, and then I think we pass judgment on it when we get there, right? I'm like, you know, if they lose in the first round of the playoffs, what does it mean? Who are they playing? What does it look like? How does the loss look? Like, I, you got you to experience it as it goes. Obviously, Eagles fans famously good at that just kind of experiencing the things as they go and, and you know taking it one step at a time but i'm very curious to see how he responds to this because even though he's been the coach of the eagles for a bit and they've, they've they've been a very good team for much of his tenure this is a new spot for him in terms of these embarrassing losses against these particular opponents um i i, I have another question for you i'm asking questions on this show right i'm the, i'm the captain now right. last thing on that is this is a Sirianni question or something else okay, it was yeah. kind of a Sirianni, not really so go ahead yeah last thing is i, I want everyone to I want to make sure I'm being clear here. The guy is 33 and 14 as a head coach. It's not good enough. It's like a historic start. So I'm not saying anything. I'm just saying like we will learn. We, you know, it's still like you said, this is third season as a head coach. There's a spot we haven't seen him in. We're going to learn something about Nick Sirianni one way or another between now and whenever the Eagle season ends. Okay, go ahead. Your question. Okay. Would you feel better or worse about the Philadelphia Eagles if their two losses had been in this fashion to the Buffalo Bills and the Kansas City Chiefs, and then they had won these two games, Cowboys and Niners, as they won those games, very close games, very tight games, not great games that they came out with the dub. Where would your head be at? I think you would probably feel better just because in your head you would say, well, these are the NFC teams they're going to be competing with in the playoffs. Uh, and they listen, they, and they, they were, they obviously beat the Cowboys once this season. So they split with the Cowboys. It's not like they got blown out, uh, both times, but yeah, I think I would probably feel a little bit better if they got blown out by those teams who have the, you know, yeah. uh, but I don't know, I think that, that might not be reasonable. Why? The reason, right. Think? The reason why I ask, I definitely feel better. The reason why I ask is because on the subject of Sirianni and like how he handles the team and, and the thing that Sirianni does really well is he 
has a thumb on the pulse of the team and he motivates the team. He's a great locker room guy. He's a very good messaging guy. The psychology of losing in back-to-back weeks to these two teams, the NFC, since the playoff race got like established last season, so it's like over a year now, the NFC has been a three-team race for 13 yeah. months. Niners equals Cowboys. And the Eagles just lost by multiple touchdowns 42 to both of those total. teams. Yeah. yeah. The psychology of that is really tricky because you know you're go- if you are going to get to the, where you want to go, you have to see at least one, probably two of those teams again. And, 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 and knowing that they're back on your schedule and that they are the obstacles and that they made you feel this way can be really bad because holy smokes, but also really good because you can really light the fire. You're going to be like, this was embarrassing by the team that wants to win our conference, wants to replace us at the top. We held that trophy. Now they're coming for it. So it can be good and bad. And so the, the fact they lost to these two teams in particular is really important for the next month because this is, this is in your conference. Dallas is in your division. Like the, the, these are our enemies on your borders. This is not like, oh, you know, we lost to the Bills, but the Bills are really good. The AFC's problem. They're doing a lot of stuff. That, whatever, whatever. They, this is proximity, right? These, these are your rivals. And so the, 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 the intensity of that is ratcheted up. I'm very curious how they respond. Yeah, I think it is. As you were saying that, I was like, all right, last week's loss does feel different than, I mean, they were both blowouts. Last week's loss felt like, man, like, I don't know if they have to play. It was like Cliff was saying during our post game pod last week. Like you don't want to see that team in the playoffs. You're not going to feel good about it. It doesn't mean the Eagles can't win, but holy cow, that's going to be a bad matchup. And that 49ers team looks really good. This one's probably a little bit different. I mean, you you did beat this team, what, a month ago, three weeks ago, whatever it was. Uh, There's a scenario where your offense, I think, can definitely play better uh, against this Cowboys defense and maybe keep you in the game uh, a little bit and maybe you create a couple, you know, they did create a turnover and had a touchdown uh, on defense tonight. So they were more competitive defensively in the second half. I mean, the game was, you know, out of hand, but uh, at that point, so I don't want to put too much stock into it, but uh, I would say it does feel a little bit different. Like, yeah, if if you told me they're going to face the Cowboys in the playoffs, I don't know who I would pick probably right now. I would pick the Cowboys just because we, we just watched that game. But uh, yeah. by the time the playoffs roll around, I have a hard time like picturing myself picking them against a healthy 49ers team in the playoffs, knowing what I know now. Yeah, they I mean, they were underdogs at home to the Niners. Then they were underdogs by field goal on the road to the Cowboys, right? Like they're telling you, like the batting markets, the, the consensus public, the guys who put millions of dollars in this were telling you, hey, Cowboys and Niners are both better teams than the Eagles are. And they, they held out to be right. Health is going to be the number one deciding thing, right? It's so like four different Cowboys go down over the course of this game, right? Like end of the season is always about health. So when those matchups come again, it's, it's going to be a different world. So there's going to be different players available. But the, the, the question for the Eagles that you have to ask yourself is, is if we face the Niners, how do we hide the tackling in the secondary? Like how do we prevent just dying to screens and underneath passes the way that we did last week? Uh, that's your question if it's the Niners. And then your question if it's the Cowboys is how can we actually heat up Dak to a point where we're, where we're impacting him? Right. So I think the question about the Niners is a lot to do with the back seven. And the question with the 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 Cowboys is a lot to do with the front four. And those those are your two main questions in terms of stopping the performances that you just had. Offensively, it's a little bit less matchup dependent. It's a little bit more like, hey, how do we score points again? Like, what do we do? And I think like, like, you know, talked about it during the week, talked about it last game's pod. I think they have to reimagine or rethink about how their running game works, because I don't think Hertz is the threat that they need him to be. And then they have to get more creative with their receivers. They just simply, I'm, I'm still, I have your face up on the left side of my screen. I have AJ Brown's route tree up on the right side of my screen. I've had it here for 20 minutes. And I just keep looking at it and getting progressively angrier. 
This was the best dig route receiver in the league for like three straight years. And there's just no dig. There's no dig, Shield. Where's the dig? Show me the dig. And this was a, ba- this was a bad game for A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith, and they have not had many bad games. So I'm, if you're saying, why don't you, you know, rip them yeah. a little bit, I'm not going to come on here and rip them. They ba- I mean, over two years, they barely have any bad games. This was not a good game for either of those guys. I mean... My worry would be that their answer is just going to be like what I just said. Eh, you know, most weeks, A.J. Brown's going to make some of those plays and Devontae Smith's going to make some of those plays. And hey, we're going to go um, drop 30 on the Seahawks and then we're going to beat the Giants and the Cardinals. And like that could very well happen. They could win four in a row. They could crush these teams. They could look like the best offense in the, in the league over the next month. I'm not going to feel great about it going into the playoffs uh, against better opponents. I would just like to see them try, make some tweaks, to try to make life a little bit easier uh, for your best players. Now, if you are looking for the, uh, you know, the the glass half full, it's what you said with injuries. I mean, all right, so Reed Blankenship leads, leaves this game. That's obviously not great. But other than that, this is, you know, people, I'll, I'll knock on wood for all the listeners. This is a pretty relatively healthy team right now. Not, not saying that the players who are playing are mm-hmm. all feeling 100%, but like you haven't had that, especially on offense. I mean, you had, again, all 11 starters on offense in this game tonight. It was week 14. So, you know, you got Goddard back. We'll say, I mean, yeah, how do you not, how do you not scheme up some more easy touches for God? You have Goddard back. Goddard looked good. Goddard was ready to fight people when that one time when he had the ball, he wanted to score. Yeah. He wanted to carry three people to the end zone. Why don't you channel that and try to get him the football a little bit? They had a, they had a, their little RPO dialed up for him uh with the first time they got in the in the red and he got them inside the low red and and uh got called for opi right on the rub route which is another example of like hey your old gags aren't going to keep kicking like you got called for a pass interference on the, on the rub rpo and you got called for uh, uh offensive offsides on the tush push now the offensive offsides thing i don't I'm pretty understand sure either of them by the way they're calling kelsey's it. Left hand. They're calling his non-snapping hand again, which is unbelievably was hilarious. Was it his hand at least this time? That's what last time it wasn't even his hand, right? No, that the no guard's hand. No, that's the thing is they're calling. Helmet? I don't understand this. Too they're confusing. calling the guard for being offsides <laughs> because they think his hand is Kelsey's hand, but Kelsey's allowed to have his hand is his non-snapping hand in the zone because he's the Stupid center. Sport. It's so dumb. Stupid but like, sport. that's another example of like you have to have more gags. Your gags are getting got like other coaches are telling them, like, hey, they're going to have OPI when they run this, you know? Uh, and so they tried to get Goddard going, but then like they have that OPI and like I think the next play was the Hurts fumble. They get, they, he had four targets. He had four catches, right? But you have to. I, 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 I can't believe I'm going to say this. I think you might have to throw the ball like at least once to Julio Jones or Alameda Zacchaeus or Quez Watkins just to be like, you know, he, they exist. And you have to throw it to Swift more. No targets to the backs is weird. Like, that's just weird. And Swift has looked good as a receiver. He's the te- right. uh, the Texas routes. The Even they throw the screens to him sometimes. He looks better than some of their yeah. wide receivers on the screens. There's a little bit. There's a, there's, there's a little bit of like, you know, like, um, there's like, you don't cross the Rubicon. A little bit of like, you know, like there's, 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 there's fence posts. There's like guardrails for a reason. Like you're in the lab cooking up an offense. Like, oh, we're going to do this, that, and the other thing. And if the thing you spit out just has no ability to get the ball to the back in the passing game it's probably like, okay like that's a sign that you got you like you you got two in the lab you got two deep in it you're in your galaxy brain right now it's not that running back targets are good it's just that like it's a pillar of an offense just like yeah if they cover all the deep routes just chuck it to the back underneath like it's just it's just a way to live cowboys it just keeps did that all night yeah. they were getting it's, first downs on that all night 
Yeah, and so it, it's 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 a, a concerning uh, state of being offensively. But this was supposed to be the silver lining section. The healthy, uh, their offensive line. If they let them, their offensive line can win a lot of games for them, right? Just by running the football, dominating up front, and then being able to go play action off of it. If you let them, they can win a lot of games for you. And I think that they have to reorient themselves around that. Get back to basics there. Honestly, I feel great about them against the Seahawks. I think they're gonna boat race the Seahawks. Think they're gonna um, kill them? Okay. Yeah, which I'm, I'm, am I using boat race? I don't know how to use boat race. No, they're that's right. Yeah, I heard you. You did this recently. Yes, you're, you. That's using it correctly. They're nice. going to kill them. They're going to they're going to beat them around the yard. Um, and I think that that's going to be good for them. I think they have the athletes to do that against the Seahawks defense. Um, and 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 hopefully get back to basics on offense and feel like it's a mouthwash game and and, and go from there. Defensively, uh, Keely Ringo played 18 snaps tonight. Dude, he I had one, he one, one defensive snap, snap. The rest of the season, right? He had one. And then this week they were like, dude, you know what would be great against Brandon Cooks, Michael Gallup? If we put a rookie on the field on the road <laughs> with no warm-up at all. No one. Was there anything in, in, in the media this week that Keely was going to play? I know I didn't see one. I didn't hear one thing. I no. I had no idea. And then he immediately got called for a a double. That was mean. That was mean. And as a listener, seen Aston friend texted, and he still let off the catch. You got the double penalty, and you still let off the catch. At least let off the catch if you're going to get that poor guy. The idea that he committed a face mask and defensive pass interference, which on the replay. The only substantial contact he had with him was the face mask implies that there's a way to face mask a targeted receiver that does not constitute pass interference, which I don't understand how that's ever not two penalties. That was hilarious. He got hurtled by Jake Ferguson. He had just he's had a nightmare of a night. As you would expect for a rookie corner in their first career start, it's the Dallas Cowboys on the road. The potential potential MVP quarterback. Legitimately yeah. shocking to see him out there as much as he was there. So funny. Uh, Shaq Leonard played 13 snaps. You know who you know who flashed a little? Marlon Tui Pelotu was putting some guys in the ground. Dude, that Marlon that? run that Marlon run stop, I was like, oh, I, that he hit that play, and I went, oh man, Jalen Carter's so freaking good. And then he got up and I was like, wait a minute. Yeah. <laughs> That's he looks like a man with fresh legs right there. Maybe get him some run. He looked fresh. Nolan Smith played 21 snaps today. That has to be a season high. Uh, yeah, they're trying to get Nolan out. moving a little bit. Sidney Brown replaced him. Jalen Carter, 31 snaps. Brandon Graham, 37 snaps. So a little bit more of a rotation there uh, at edge than we've seen in recent weeks. Jordan Davis, 41. Milton Williams, 38. Uh, I don't need to go through. Uh, the rest of these. Nicholas Morrow played 62 snaps and Zach Cunningham played 53. And Bradley Roby, I think, was mostly the nickel. I see yeah. Eli, Eli Ricks 13 snaps, but I know he was in there at like the very end. So I don't know how yeah. many of those came when the game before the game was out of hand. They played mostly Roby. Yeah. And then Reed went down and so Sydney had to come back in. And yeah, that's not great. All right. What am I missing? Missing anything? Let's see. I have a left. Braden Mann. With that, with the that spiral, was a fake punt, great fake punt, clean throw. What a throw! Excellent throw. Yeah. Well done. Better punter than the Eagles have had in years on that alone. I need no more data. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, this Aubrey, I mean, whew, fifty-nine yarder and a sixty-yarder, and this was like his coming out party. Uh, and Mike Tarico was so excited about him. Uh, he hasn't missed game. a field goal this year, Shiel, but he's missed three Crazy. extra points, which is a hilarious bit. 
That's a 10 Did out of 10. Did you know pick. he hadn't missed a field goal? Like, I, I'll be honest. We talk about every other team on extra point taken. I did not know uh, all this Aubrey background information. I'll be honest. I did yeah. because I play him in DFS all the time. And that's just a sicko <laughs> thing. That's just an unwell thing to say. And I acknowledge that. Uh, but he, uh, he's only missed extra points, which is a great bit. If it's worth three points, he's nails. If it's worth only one, he doesn't give a hoot. I just go whip, kick it and see what happens. That's elite content. I hope he can use that for the rest of his career. I agree. I like that as well. All right. Fletcher Cox, nice job on the sack fumble. Uh, Cam Jurgens left the game with a chest injury, but came back. We talked about Keely Ringo. Uh, I mean, the big question everybody's been talking about this week, defense, is it more personnel or is it more scheme? And I would just say it's both. I, th- I think the personnel, there are major holes at the same time. I judge coaches based on are you getting more with less, less with more, as much as you're supposed to get. And there's no real argument that they're getting more with less with the way they've played the last two games. Now we'll see where they are overall. I think coming into the week, they were uh, 21st in defensive DVOA. I had them ranked 16th coming into the season. So they actually weren't that far off what I kind of thought they were going to be. And the numbers are going to look a lot better after you are not facing Dak Prescott, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen. Like Get those two Tommy DeVito games under your belt. Uh, and maybe that Cardinals one, and who knows, Drew Locke, if he plays next week, and the overall numbers are going to look better, but I still have uh, concerns uh, about this defense for sure. All right, that gets everything. Anything else you want to finish with? You good? What's nah. the line for the Seahawks game? Let me look it up. Oh, is it, it's, uh, it's in Seattle? It's in Seattle. Monday night? Remember yep. it got it flexed to Monday night? In Seattle. Okay. Well, we don't, we don't know Geno's status, so that's going to make it. There is a line, though. There is? He was warming up, and the game's Monday night. I feel like he's he should be able to play. I mean, this is just yeah. a guess, but I would make the Eagles minus five on the road against Gino. Okay, they are minus four and a half. So good guess out of you. There you go. Four I would make them minus three. twelve against Locke. <laughs> yeah, I mean, oh, I thought you were going to say that against the Giants. Yeah, they're going to be big time favorites in those final uh, three games. So there you go. All right. I don't know. Were we too doom and gloom? Were we not doom and gloom enough? Again, it just depends what kind of listener you are. We can't please everybody. We're authentic. We give our feelings. The way you're talking, this Shield, sounds like you've gotten some hate mail recently. You've been getting some some angry emails. No, some people, you know, some people. I just was just looking through some, you know, as I tweeted, uh, you know, I tweeted a few things out during the game because it's a standalone right. game, and it's like, you know, you had someone say you haven't been hard enough on Jalen Carter. I'm like, I've been giving out these pass rush stats for listen. I use that my pass rush stats like 30 times. Uh, last yeah. week that the pass rush hasn't been good enough. It's probably my fault for saying that he was going to have an Indomitian Sioux season like 19 times in September. He's had and a very t- good season. He's had an yeah. excellent season for, especially for, I mean, for a rookie, rookie defensive tackles don't have this kind of production. Now, has he uh, slowed down? Absolutely. But I don't know. Overall, this is, if you would have said, this is what you're going to get from him as a rookie, I would have signed up for it right away if I were, uh, if I yeah. were Eagles. He's still one of the yeah. highest pressure defensive tackles in the league right now. Not yeah. rookies. That's all players. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's like the, not everybody's going to have a, you know, a sack every every single game specifically defensive tackles. And then it's like, you know, and then there's some, you know, questions about Desai and I'm like, yeah, the, I, it hasn't been good enough. Like they just gave up six straight touchdowns last week. I've said that. So I think it is personnel and it is team. All right. There you go. Let's wrap it up. All right. Thank you to Ben Solak. Thank you thank to you. Cliff Hogan. I'll be back in the middle of the week with Sean. We'll break down the film. We'll look ahead to this Seahawks team and we'll see. Listen, it's not just Solak and I, we were getting bored by just doing all these, oh, Eagles win again, Eagles win again, Eagles win it. No, this, this is, this is where the good stuff's at. 
the real analysis is at when the team loses a couple and you have to figure out what are they going to look like the rest of the way. So we will continue to do that. All right. Appreciate everyone listening. Have a good week. We will talk to you later on the Ringers Philly Special. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com RG in Colorado, Iowa, Kentucky, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXTSTEP to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana, visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York.